What's up? Welcome to Tide Sessions, a podcast about water sports. I'm Mike and this is Mel. We're both super passionate about the water and together we co-founded a kite surfing school called Tide Water Sports. On this podcast, we're going to be chatting to athletes, founders and other rad people who also love being in, on or under the water. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we did. In today's episode, we chat with Heidi Walsh. Heidi is a freestyle and whitewater kayaker hailing from the UK. We talk about her various kayaking adventures all over the world. She's kayaked in the US, Canada, Chile, Uganda, but you'd want to tune in just to hear a Nepalese expedition story. We loved learning a lot about this sport, hearing why Heidi loves it so much and how she feels about competing. We know you'll also want to go on a whitewater expedition after listening to this. So enjoy! Hi! Hello, Heidi. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Pretty tired after a day's teaching kite surfing, but good. I'm good to go. That's how he intros all the podcasts. <laughs> Every time we record, it's I'm like, oh, tired. I'm so tired. I've been teaching. <laughs> always know. tired. Yeah, always tired. <laughs> what have you been up to today? I have... Um, I just finished a tour for the last two weeks across the UK. So okay. yesterday we drove down from Scotland to Bristol and then today I drove back home again. So just a nice, easy, chilled out day and then I'll pack and get going again tomorrow. Nice. Wow. What, what does the tour involve then? Um, basically, we go around in a bus um, provided by our sponsors um, and we go to every white water course in the UK um, and we just... Um, create an event on the day and try and inspire as many kids as we can and get everyone out kayaking with us and just throw down with everyone and have a great time and then give everyone surprises at the end because why not amazing that sounds really i love cool. the sound of this yeah. I, I i personally have never been to like a white water course or have ever been white water rafting so i'm, I'm really excited and I, would, i would love to try it same we've never yeah. we just we we found you and you were like that looks really cool we want to know more about this so yeah we're very we just do not know i mean we researched you obviously but we're excited to hear <laughs> from you about it and hear you talk about it as well um so yeah so how how did you get into first water sports i guess because you grew up swimming right yeah yeah so i started off as a swimmer when i was like i don't even know so small And did that my whole life. And I was training, I think, by the time I was 16, I was training maybe eight times a week um, on land and in the pool. And then at the end of every year, we do like an end of season fun day at the activity center down the road. We try like windsurfing, raft building, kayaking. One year I tried kayaking, really liked it. Um, and then the rest is history pretty much. So when was that? Were you, were you still very, you were young as well? I mean, you I were wasn't very young, that anyway. young. I was maybe like 14, 15, I'd say, okay. um, which is quite late for a kayaker. But I was in a fortunate position where I had quite big shoulders because I was a swimmer. Um, I had quite big lungs and I wasn't scared of water. So I just threw myself at it and uh, wasn't scared of anything and picked it up quite fast. Amazing. So what, what about kayaking sort of drew you to it? Uh, I think it was the level of fun that swimming didn't have like swimming is very much like 200 laps every evening you know it's hard and I love the suffer but I think with kayaking there's so much fun involved as well and it's just messing around with your friends and I don't think that element ever goes away like even when you're 
at the top of your sport it's still just people having fun with what they do but you just get better and better it does look super fun especially like the um exploration part of it where you're doing like uh rapids or exploring like different rivers and going down areas with your friends down the river it looks really really fun yeah that's quite wild i'd never left europe until i started kayaking and now oh, really? me all over the world so yeah that's pretty huge for me so what places is it taking you to oh uh uganda argentina chile all over europe um nepal um america canada really cool places as well um yeah so so when you went was it to compete or were you traveling or um it started off with competitions and events because it's organized and it's easy to go to and competitions are like the thing you do as an athlete right but then as i got better i started progressing into like creaking and expedition kayaking where you just organize it with your mates and there's maybe only like five or six of you in really really remote locations um and obviously it's not an event but you get to experience the world in a completely different light or you do like first ascents where no one's ever been before um so you can do that side of the kayaking as well that's pretty cool but wait, that sounds scary wait, to i've me. got a question i've got a technical question <laughs> when you you're saying that you go places that let's say nobody's ever kind of kayaked before um do you do a first check that is like i don't know why watching your videos i get really like worried that there'll be like you'd rock underwater that nobody sees and you know do you do a pre-check yeah. Wait, how far down is that waterfall <laughs> yeah yeah you do you look at it before you run it definitely yeah, okay. <laughs> um it all starts with uh looking at a small blue line on google maps and google earth and being like wow that looks cool and then you go from there and you like look at the elevation profiles and then etc etc um or you hear stories of people who've done it before and it sounds really cool and then you know you'll walk next to it first and then you'll look at it again and then you'll be like am i sure i want to do this and then you'll think again and then you'll finally run it yeah you don't just bomb down things yeah, okay. <laughs> no because you know that would be a bit careless that would be a bit careless yeah i would not and it does look it does look really intense and, and kind of scary i guess it's super gnarly you, especially some of the, yeah. the rapids yeah do you get a bit like not i mean nervous i guess yeah absolutely um i think you should always be nervous um and if you're not nervous then something is wrong um it is a high risk sport at the end of the day um and i think the nerves help you and they keep you on your toes and they keep you uh, a bit more agile and i think the nerves go away sometimes but it's good to have them and um the nerves just like they set in at a higher level as, as you get better pretty much yeah makes sense so what's been your favorite place then from all these travels um chile was beautiful I love definitely chile. but the one country that i've been back to quite a few times is canada so canada and america because they're like you can go to the east coast and there's so much variety and then you'll go west and it's like a completely different country all over again there's just so much out there so yeah there's a lot of bears out there yeah that too yeah <laughs> beats crocodiles yeah. yeah definitely i would definitely not go anywhere near anywhere with crocodiles that yep. scares the life out of me i guess not in canada probably more bears but then what did you did you go kayaking 
close to crocodile or when you knew they could be there? Yeah, there are crocs in Uganda um, and I plan on going out to Zambia in December, January time and there. It's quite known for crocs and hippos over there. So, hmm. Oh, hippos is even worse. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, they're, not, they're not as dangerous, are they? Yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're so they, big they you could just like bump dangerous. into them and piss them off. You'd probably kill it, though, right? They're if quite you went really quickly, if you kayaked into an Mel, Mel always likes to talk about the wildlife. So one of the most often things that comes up in in our podcast is sharks. She always asks about sharks. So this is this is her version of sharks. Yeah, I guess uh, crocodiles, crocodiles, crocodiles hippos. and hippos. What yeah. have you seen sharks? I have no, I haven't paddled in the sea, so no. Yeah, but sometimes they go ah. up rivers. But that would be a very bad encounter. Um, why haven't you paddled in the in the sea? Um, I just have little experience in the sea. Lots of my friends keep telling me to go uh, like surf kayaking. Uh, it's something that I would love to get into, but it's a totally different ball game. Like reading the river is one thing and having all of that knowledge, but actually reading the sea is completely different. I wouldn't know how to read the sea. And I'm kind of terrified that I would just get stuck in a riptide and be gone forever. Oh, it's easy. Just swim to the side. Yeah. Yeah. I figured, do you have eddies? Like yeah, water. sometimes there the are same, like standing but... waves and like eddies and stuff like that. Yeah, Depen- yeah. depending on depending on the currents and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. We I've been um, kayaking in salt water, but I wouldn't class it as the sea. It's kind of like standing tidal waves that. Yeah. Obviously, you must be near the sea, but isn't actually like you don't drift off into eternity. Mm. <laughs> so on Insta, it's funny because you talked about. I think it was not long ago you shared that you had gone to Nepal and you were going to say how amazing it was and everything and then nothing. And I'm like, I want to know. I feel like you're just like a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger <laughs> is that a verb? Um, but yeah, tell us about Nepal because I'm just excited to hear about it. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I haven't told the story yet. I've been planning to for ages and then I've just got busy and uh, – yeah, so we did a river called the Humla Kanali, which is like one of the big three in Nepal. And uh, as far as I'm aware, no woman has ever done it before. So it was quite high on my list to do because uh, a first female descent, I, I'm personally quite proud of. Um, so essentially, we packed for roughly seven days on the river. So you start at the top at like three and a half thousand meters in Simacot. And uh, you pack your sleeping bag, all of your food, all of your clothes, all of your safety equipment, everything you need for those seven days in your kayak. Weighed about, I'm going to say about 45 kilos um, at the top. And then, you know, you float down and you figure it out as you go. And it's like class four or five. It's quite scary. Um, and you're committed, essentially. So when you're at the top, there's only one way down. And I was with a team of five others, um, incredible kayakers. I would argue better than me. And uh, I was really just excited to be with them uh, and part of the team. Anyway, we get to Simicot and um, it's supposed to be minus 20 at night, maybe like two or three degrees in the daytime. It's supposed to be really cold because it's high up. And we get there and we're in shorts and T-shirt and it's glorious. And we're like, oh, this is nice. I kind of packed the wrong kit for this. And uh, we got to the river and it's supposed to be crystal blue this time of the year. And it's supposed to be like quite a low volume, low water run. And uh, we'd act, basically we caught it in a heat wave um, accidentally. And we were at the top and the glaciers were melting and they were melting pretty fast. So the river was brown 
and it had maybe three times, five times as much water as we'd want in there. It was really high. And one of the boys were like, Heidi, like, the river's brown. And me being a freestyle kayaker was like, yeah, cool, whatever. Let's go kayaking. It'd be fine. And then a day later, I understood that a brown river, when it's supposed to be blue, means it's going to be quite scary. Um, so we set off and I think it took us 11 days in the end as opposed to seven because um, the team got sick from the river water or the food or whatever. So every day somebody was in a very poor state. Um, and then we had to take it really slow because the river was raging. It was um, some parts were too um, too scary to paddle, basically. So we had to walk around it. And with a 45 kilo boat on small Nepalese trails, it's quite hard to do. Um, and then they were also building a road. So that meant that they were like blasting the rocks above us on the canyon walls. And uh, there was one night we would get to camp and we'd be like, seven o'clock at night and it was getting dark and we had like a car-sized boulder fly over our heads and land on camp and we're all like oh god and we like stick on our helmets and like run around like headless chickens and get back in the river before we become like a million pieces essentially um so it was a lot harder and it was a lot more intense than we anticipated um but we all made it down in one piece and that's the important thing um it was beautiful at the time i was kind of done with kayaking I was I was tired mentally and physically. I was broken. Um, I would say it took me maybe two or three weeks to really um, appreciate what I'd just done and what we experienced is incredible for good and bad. Um, but at the time, what was like, what was finished? <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. Sounds very intense, especially, but, yeah. especially the boulder thing. Yeah, that was scary. Um, some days we had to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning because you need the workers to start at like seven or eight. So we had to be out of there before they would start showering us as well. And you can't exactly uh, like catch a snooze in your kayak as you're going down the brown water. <laughs> Not quite, no. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the intense part. It's like you got to do it. I mean, like you yeah. said, you walked a few bits, but in the end you can't walk the whole thing the whole way down you yeah. gotta you, know, you gotta go for you it got, you gotta make some which well, quiet, yeah, yeah the canyon walls are so steep that sometimes you can't physically walk around because yeah. it's just like shears rock next to you um yeah by the end of it exciting. we were so excited for like flat water or like great bits <laughs> in the middle or we'd see the big scary stuff where you can hear it coming and we're like oh no like just quickly having some snacks and some sugar to try and get ready so what, what was the biggest drop on that trip um it was less waterfall style it was more big volume so oh, okay. uh, it was more like huge crashing waves that could stop you and you would stay in there forever kind of stuff and it was really pushy so like if you wanted to go over to the left hand side and everything is pushing you over into the right hand side you would be really small in that river basically so you can get caught in like a sort of a trough basically yeah, they're called holes, basically yeah. where the water goes over a big old yeah, boulder use, or rock and then it recirculates word. round and you get stuck in there for ages. A hole oh, is God. a good word. You how how do you get out of it? Uh, you swim. One of the boys did uh, get stuck in one and swim. Um, but obviously with a multi-day, all of your gear and everything is inside your kayak, so you really yeah. don't want to do that. Um, oh, wow. How, how did he get? Well, how did he get all of his stuff back then after swimming out? We had to chase everything down. Oh man! Yeah, 
Oh, that sounds kind of funny, but also very intense. I mean, I'm not. It's just I like what I like about your story is that it does make me want to do like the adventure aspect of it is really exciting. Like yeah. it, you know, and I guess you all were really good. I mean, you are really good at kayaking, so you did go for it, even though the water was so. You know, like you said, it wasn't the condition. I don't know if you can say conditions, but the the water wasn't flat like you wanted. Like, you know, it was so different, and you still were like, guys, we're going for it. And then it went a bit crazy, but it's a good story, I guess, to tell. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you're still alive, so it's good. It wouldn't be the same otherwise. Would you like to do one of those trips, Mel? Yeah. Maybe sure. on a smaller scale. The thing is, my arms are very tiny, you know. And yeah, um, we'll just we'll just do a like a little baby kind of, one. I'll probably do the thing where I just let I just kind of lay there and can I not wait wait, I've got an idea. What about a kayak that's like closed, but you can see, so like kind of a submarine kayak and you kind of lay there. And you just no. you just thrown down there, and you don't do anything, and you just go down. That's so essentially what I would a wooden do. barrel with yes. a bit of plastic on it. Just yeah. chuck Isn't mail down the river run, in a um, barrel. That's how they did Niagara Falls, right? For the first time in a barrel. Is it really? I mean, yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah, like ages oh, ago, right? Yeah, they would have done that. Yeah. Well, that's how every adventure began with like the what, weirdest stuff. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you see the first planes and stuff. It was insane what they were doing. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised it's happened. But no, it. I would love to do it. I think you got to be physically fit, and I mean we're fit, but like like it, you it said, d- it depends on what sort of, and... sort of bit of river you're going down. Really, yeah. I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, some rivers are super easy, and you can just do laps, or you can get someone to drive the car back up to the top. They're delightful. They're nice rivers. That's a winner. Yeah, um, and then some rivers, obviously, you have a bit more walking. Um, Actually, all of the boys that were really fast at portaging, like carrying the boats um, along the sides, like they do a lot of cross training, they do a lot of ski touring, they do a lot of cycling. Like you have to think of that if you want to do multi day stuff. It's not just big shoulders, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah no, I know. But I mean, I mean, I just. So I, I just saw, I saw one of your YouTube videos, and there was a part where you couldn't really cross the river because I don't know, it was too crazy or something. And you, you guys are like hoisting your kayaks up cliffs and stuff. That's madness. Or is that to just yeah. get around certain points of the river that you can't really cross? Uh, if it's the video I'm thinking of, it's because uh, there was no way down the, the river. We just had to get out. So we oh, had okay. to just literally climb up a cliff face and, and walk out in the middle of nowhere and try and find the nearest road. Yeah, that was pretty full on. That was, uh, I think it took us nine hours, ten hours to walk out with loaded boats. Oh, uh, wow. And we didn't have any food or water. So it was quite intense. Yeah, I saw you guys were sucking water out of a puddle. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lavish lifestyle, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, the the YouTube videos were really, really good. I definitely enjoyed watching them. Uh, so there was a highlight reel of you guys. I think there was one clip where you were going down like, um, is it like a gully sort of thing? And it was just like a thin bit of water, plants on either side, and you're just like bombing it down towards like a, a bit, of, a bit of water at the bottom. That looks yeah. scary. And you done like a spin as well going down there. Yeah, I, that was so. That was the drainage ditch in Canada. Um, okay. Uh, really steep. You can't tell in the GoPro video, but it's like a wall, and it's really hard to climb up because you think you're just going to slip down the whole time. Oh, and, definitely uh, not steep. I definitely, I definitely didn't intend to spin. <laughs> I was just out of control. I was like, oh god! But luckily, because I do so much freestyle kayaking that. I didn't have to think too much. It was second nature, but I also could totally see me just spinning the whole way down, and that would be quite bad. 
<laughs> so yeah, because you do, so you do both. You do freestyle and you do whitewater. And so, yeah, what did you do first? What what do you like about the two? Like, are they good complementary sports? Oh. Yeah. Um, so I started in freestyle kayaking, um, which is the really short boat. Um, and I really like learning in a short boat because it spins really easily so you can direct it wherever you want to go. The disadvantage to a freestyle kayak is that they're really tippy, they're really hard to control. So I was upside down, like, a lot. Um, but it also means that my role became bomb-proof um, because I was upside down so much that I was correcting myself from every different angle you can imagine. So I think it's really beneficial to learn in a freestyle kayak. And it also means if you're stuck in the holes in a whitewater kayak and you're really out of control, you have some kind of awareness, which is really important, where other people are too scared to go into holes because they haven't got that experience. Um, so it's good to have the control. Um, and it's really cool to uh, kind of merge the two together to create downriver freestyle. Um, and then you can do tricks as you go down, and that's really fun. Um, Pros and cons, of course, like if you start from a slalom background or something, you know, your forward stroke is going to be really nice and you're going to look really elegant and you're going to be fast. Whereas a freestyle kayak, you don't necessarily get taught to paddle forwards because that's not the aim of the game. So a lot of freestyle kayakers who then go into whitewater kayaking have quite a poor stroke. I would say I'm one of those people. It's uh, a bit janky. You kind of muscle it forwards and I'm still learning to kind of be smooth. But I think if you can focus on your weaknesses and work on them, I think it's really beneficial to start off as a freestyler and move into whitewater. So there's loads of different disciplines, right, in kayaking? Yes. What what are the, all these different disciplines? Yeah, so I forget that, like, a lot of this might be kayaking jargon. Let me know if you need me to translate anything as well. Um, so we've got slalom kayaking, which is, like, a really long pointy boat. I'm sure you've seen like slalom skiing where you have the gates. Yeah, I, I've Same watched thing, it in the, I think water. it was in the Olympics, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. slalom is an Olympic sport. Um, so the slalom athletes will get funded by um, governing bodies, which is really cool. And then the other Olympic one is sprint kayaking, where it's really a long, thin boat, but it's on flat water on lakes on like row regattas, and they just go really fast in a straight line. Um, and then you've got freestyle kayaking where you do tricks and you've got 45 seconds it's like a gymnastics routine um that's not olympic so it's not funded so everyone who is a professional freestyle kayaker actually has a job um it's all a lie and then you've got uh white water kayaking which is like the extreme side of kayaking and expedition kayaking which merges into white water um and then you can do extreme racing where you race on class five or you race on really difficult stuff which again is non-olympic um, but I personally, it's my favorite at the moment. What's well, a racing on the class fives and the, uh, the white water yeah. is probably yeah, a favorite. extreme racing. Yeah. Definitely sounds fun. Yeah. But I think that's the bit that I'd be why, interested why in. Why do you love it so much? What do you love about it? Uh, I really like that it's hard and I like that you can give it everything you've got as well. It's racing. Whereas freestyle is more tactical and technical. So sometimes you don't want to give it everything. And I struggle with that a little bit. Um, so I like that you can really give it some um, and you can analyze it properly. Like It's kind of like being a swimmer again. You can look at split times. You can look at stroke rates. You can look at videos of other people. Like it's 
you can really geek out on it. I do quite enjoy it. And it's class five. So it's still like big enough water to entertain you. And like even when you're not going fast. So have you done many competitions in that yet? Only a couple. Um, I did two when I was living in America in 2018, 2019. And then I gave it a rest for a little bit. Got a lot better at kayaking, which is quite important for extreme racing. And then I went back to it this year and I competed at Utz Trophy in September, which is the European Championships for extreme racing. Um, and I think I came eighth in the end, which is all right. Um, so, yeah, I took a bit of a break and that was the most recent race I've done. So why, why is that one not, and, and freestyle, why are those not Olympic? Um, we've had demos at the Olympics for freestyle kayaking. Yeah. So uh, like in London, when the Slalomers did their Olympic day, we got on at lunchtime. I say we, not me. Some of my friends got on at lunchtime yeah. and did like a demo to show people what freestyle kayaking is. Yeah. We've had the Olympic committee at quite a few of our world championships um, to look at us and see if we can add it to um, the Olympics. It's feasible to do so because we share the white water course with Slalomers, so you wouldn't need to create anything new um you'll just add it so that's possible but they haven't added it yet um you never know it might be one day extreme racing i don't think will ever be olympic um because for it to be extreme and for it to be class five you have to go to hard venues and potentially more remote locations where olympic sports um are all in like a, an Olympic village and a stadium. You can't really create stadiums on these rivers because they're big and scary, essentially. Yeah. Um, I don't think an Olympic committee would ever want a high-risk sport, in my opinion. I might be wrong. What do you think? What are you thinking about kayfoiling? That's insane. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, yeah, there's too many probably things that come into play for it. And mm. it's very intense. It's like, is skydiving an Olympic sport? I think it is. No. No. I wish it was. It's not that it's not. high risk, actually. It's less high risk than... Oh, my God, I'm choking on my words. It's less high risk than this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, I don't know. So I, I thought that you could probably create some of these courses, though, right? Um, Not for extreme racing. You can't create those. Um, They have to be on natural rivers and they have to okay. be, like, difficult enough. But for freestyle kayaking, you can do it on artificial whitewater courses. Yeah. So you can create those, and they do create them for the Olympics. So that's why it will be easy to include freestyle. Okay. Well, hopefully one day they do. Yeah, you never know. So we, we were quite excited because they've actually introduced kiteboarding mm. uh, to the Olympics, which would be quite fun to see. Oh, really? Um, not, the, not the discipline that we... Um, Racing. That we do, or, or with it we're that interested in we are quite interested in it but um probably not the the stuff that we do you mean freestyle um, or big air yeah jumping around but anyway let's get away from kite no, surfing no yes yeah, i was talking podcast. about sharks and you always bring up kite surfing that's just so <laughs> that's the energy um no actually i wanted to talk about something that you mentioned um on insta as well um i don't want to I, I need to paraphrase it but you said something about how when there's like a stopwatch or like, you know, when there's like kind of a competition at a time and you like, you feel like you're not performing as well. And I was wondering if you want to talk about 
how it affects you mentally when you're like competing versus like maybe, you know, exploring or just pushing yourself without the competition aspect? Yeah. Um, I think I'm still learning what makes me perform well, like what kind of a mindset I perform well under. Um, I can tell you what I don't perform well under. I don't perform well when I'm angry. I don't perform well when I'm negative. Uh, I perform well when I'm happy and I'm excited, but I don't know yet if it's when I'm calm or if I'm hyped up. I haven't quite figured it out, but I, I'm getting better at competing, definitely. Um, I think the more experience you have, the more of a level head you have and you get less of the jitters and less of the nerves and you develop your routine and that's really good. Um yeah what was the other half of the question no it was that. no no it's a good <laughs> don't know it wasn't it was a weird question but um it's a it's really interesting I guess I'm going to bring it back to kitesurfing because we know a lot of guys and girls that compete and you can see the difference between people that newly compete and people that have been competing for like 10 years and it don't yeah you need like to gain that confidence and that experience to get better at it because like you said it's such a mental game and you need to have like yeah, your routines and know what works for you. And so I guess, yeah, you'll get I there. often find that the best kayakers in the sport get better as the competition progresses. They get better in semis, they get better in finals. And it's mind-blowing that there's so much pressure and they just, like, they bring their game. Whereas I think if you have less experience, you often bring your best in prelims and then you start to crumble. And just to have that ability to just keep going and going and going, that's when you know you're really, like, you've you've made you've had some history in the sport yeah it's just experience really i think we we spoke to our windsurfer cami uh cami jibran about uh his his experience in uh competitions and he was saying that when his his idea or way of going into competitions is going at the start and starting off at a base level and then trying to increase his level as he goes on but also looking at how everyone else is going into it as well so starting off at like a, a a lower level and then progressing as he's going into it, and knowing that he's got more tricks and more things to sort of bring out in the in those later heats. That's a good, exactly. good way of going into it. Like pacing yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. good point. So I was watching some of your freestyle tricks, and I like the way that you like the way that they score it and stuff like that. It was really interesting. Um, and one of the things that I was thinking is, do you know when you do like your front roll sort of front flip thing? Can you not just repeat that on like a constant front front flip? Because then you'll get like the the air, you'll get the trick difficulty, and then if you just keep it going forever throughout the whole time, would you not then just get like a massive score? Oh, that would look quite ridiculous, wouldn't it? Just someone doing <laughs> just a banging a front flip, seconds. just keep doing it, yeah. and, then, and, then, and then the score would just be going up and up and up yeah be wild you win you did one more loop than everyone else did (laughs) uh sadly not that's not how that works you get uh one score for one trick um but you do get bonuses you're right so for example with the front flip you can get a clean bonus where you don't use your paddles or you can get an air bonus where it's big or you can get a huge bonus where it's huge funnily enough um (laughs) so if you were to do a really small loop you would just get a loop and then you could go for it again. You wouldn't score that loop number of points, so which is what I think 60 points, but you would get the the bonus of like a clean. 
So then you get another 30 points. And then you could do three loops and then the next one is huge and you get another 40 points. But you don't get like 60 plus 40 and then another 60 plus 30. You would just get the added bonus. Yeah. How do you go huge? You stomp it down really hard and you wait and you wait a lot longer than you think you should wait. And then you rise up and then you jump really high. I guess it's like submerging the front of your kayak as, as much as you can until you get that uplift, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What goes down must come up. So I've got it. I've, I've figured it all out now. Okay, he's going out tomorrow. He's going to buy one. It's <laughs> kind of find a river. Oh my God. But um, definitely wouldn't work with really me because I'm, I'm too long. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess you, what you, I'm, I mean. I uh, it know. wouldn't work. I don't even think I'd fit my legs into yeah, one I of those freestyle kayaks. Yeah, they look tiny. They, yeah, they're too, they're too short for me. I'd need like a massive one. No, but seriously, I'm sure, are they custom? Like, do you get, or are they just... Um... Yeah, so you can get plastic ones that are just made off the mould and they come small, medium, large, but the large is still quite small. So if you're really tall, you might have some issues. Um, <laughs> or you can all... get a carbon kayak, which is like completely custom. Um, it will be based off of the plastic mould but then if you say, like, I weigh this much and I'm this tall and I'm struggling to do this trick or I'm doing really well in this trick, they'll kind of make it a bit different. They can, like, shave off two centimetres from the front or, uh, like, pop it up a bit so there's more volume or squish it down. They'll, yeah, you just chat to them and they make it how you want it. So have you got a special carbon one? I do, yeah. But I uh, actually, I sold it today. It's off. It's on its way to France to someone else. So okay. I'm just in plastic at the moment. Oh, no. Why did you sell it? Um, money, for one. Um, and at the moment, now that the World Championships is over, um, I'm not in deep features anymore. So like in a carbon kite, they're quite fragile. And at the moment, I'm training in shallow features. So I would prefer to train in a plastic boat and be okay with hitting the floor and not have to repair it. And I just don't need to worry about it quite as much. Um, I'd be keen to get another carbon kite, definitely when the season comes back round again or when we start to compete because it's a huge bonus to have a carbon. Yeah, I bet the weight differences are quite a lot, actually. Yeah, huge. And it's also really stiff as well, so it's really responsive, whereas yeah. in plastic you get that flex and sometimes it, it doesn't help. So do you prefer, if you had to choose between, I know that's going to be a hard question, if you had to choose between like whitewater kayaking and freestyle kayaking, what, what would you pick? I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently because this year is the first year where I've been like doing the same amount of both. Whereas in previous years, I've always done more freestyle. And I think I am now swinging towards white water. I think if I had to choose just one, it would be white water. But that's really hard. I don't think I'd be happy if I just had white water. I mean, you don't have to. It's a rhetorical question. So <laughs> you're fine. But, um, is it the adventure side? I feel like that's really what would attract me to it. And the traveling and, you know, discovering new places. Is that what you love? Yeah, it's a whole package, isn't it? It's it's everything. Um, and it's the journey you go on. It's the people you're with. I feel like the whitewater community is just a one big family. Freestyle is as well, absolutely. But you get really close to people you develop such special relationships with whitewater kayakers especially when you go on expeditions you see like a completely different side of them and a completely different side of yourself as well um and it's special it's it's difficult <laughs> i do like things when it's difficult um 
like yeah just everything yeah I like the mindset you have to be in you have to be in like you have to be ready for it it's cool so I've watched some of the some other guys on, on YouTube with the old the big drops do you know what the world record is for the biggest drop that's a very good question well in terms of you mean like height yeah yeah I, I will hazard a guess but don't quote me on it it's fine I think it's like 150 to 180 feet oh wow was that in yeah. meters? Not sure. That's a lot, Mel. It's quite a lot. I'm just French, think of so all I those little feet stacked up on top of each other. That's quite a lot. A lot of you. Wait, how many? <laughs> 150. Oh my god, I'm bad at math. Okay, so it's a lot. Yeah, that must be terrifying. I mean, we did this thing the other day. We went to a like a. It wasn't a zoo. It was like kind of a world park, and there was this like slide that I don't understand how it's legal or like kids can do it do it but it was literally a drop like a vertical drop for maybe two meters and they just slid it was a huge slide so it was safe uh, safe-ish and uh and that was only two meters and i was freaking out i think water makes it maybe better because it's water right so you soft landing kind of yeah <laughs> that thing was just i burnt my elbows on it and no, i was I'm not doing it again so yeah 150 yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot what's, what's the biggest drop you've done 50 feet, a bit smaller than that. That's still uh, a lot, still though. quite substantial, but yeah. That's yeah. massive. Um, I really like waterfalls. I haven't had much experience in them, but uh, I feel like I'm a lot calmer than most people in waterfalls, and I think I have quite a lot more height in me to go. I'm keen to push that one, definitely. And where, where was this one that you did it? Uh, Chile. Oh, nice. When Chile was it? Uh, it was... Maybe two hours south of Pucon, so like four or five hours south of Santiago. Um, yes. Were you yeah. looking at me? Mel, Mel spent some time in Chile. Yeah. She, she lived over there for a while. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, no. Nice. Whereabouts were you? I was living in Santiago, but then I traveled. So I stayed there for like six months. I was meant to be studying. It was like 10 years ago. Um, but it was just a good excuse to see you know, the whole country. So I just travel. I preferred the north. I really like, like, the Atacama Desert, and I just love the desert. But Patagonia was really pretty, obviously. I loved how diverse the whole country is, um, but I didn't I didn't really go to a river, so I wouldn't know where that one is. Oh, but I'm sure it's, I mean, it's beautiful, and the people are amazing, and yeah. so, yeah, that must have been a really nice trip. Yeah. Did you go all the way down to the deep, deep south? Yeah, I did. I went to, um, is it Punta Arenas? Um, yeah, I remember taking a little boat and it was literally, yeah, the end of it and going to this island was just penguins and yeah, it was really funny just walking around penguins. That was um, cool. But yeah, did you? Uh, I went to the end of the road, so it wasn't quite penguin territory, um, but it was very, very south, south of um, Patagonia. Yeah. Um, it was still quite jungly at that point. Um, so it's pretty wild that you can be in the same country and go from jungle to penguin. I know. And yeah, and then like 10 hours. I don't know how long it takes to get to the north, but then it's really dry. And yeah, it's so crazy. It's such a cool country. It's really, really nice. I loved it. But one of the good things about you kayaking through that country is you get to see a lot of things that, you know, that Mel didn't see or a lot of other people didn't see. Is like, that's the good thing about exploring via the river and stuff like that. Is it is like a really picturesque place to sort of be it's, as well, isn't it? Yeah. But you, you wouldn't go on your own, though. I was just thinking about the safety aspect of it. 
Like, yeah. it's nice that you're in teams because I wouldn't do it on my own in some places. Because well, you know, it can people be... People do, like, tours and expeditions, you know? Yeah, but you, you always do it with, with other people, right? Yeah. Personally, I'm not mad keen on solo kayaking. Some people do. Um, it's not for me. I do... Don't tell my mum, but I do sometimes go kayaking by myself. But it has to be on easy <laughs> stuff that I know that I can paddle and it will be totally fine. Um, if I'm even slightly out of my comfort zone, it's got to be with a team. And people you trust and enjoy kayaking with as well, that's quite important. I feel like that's a common thing with all water sports. It's the same in kite surfing, it's probably the same in surfing. Like any water sport, I think water has got such a uncertain thing about it that you want to be surrounded yeah. by people that can help and i guess any sport i go yeah you don't know you could get a heart attack something can happen a bear can jump out a shark even worse <laughs> you know so you want yeah you got you gotta have your wits about you and you've definitely got to have a good team of friends around to have fun and for safety yeah i like that you're saying that you can do it. i like the it's not community but yeah the doing it with friends aspect of it that's really nice yeah, maybe I will give it a try. Okay, where do you? Where are you at the moment? Because you said you're. So you're not in Bristol. You travelled from Bristol. So where yeah, do you live? Yeah, so I'm currently in Watford, in North London, um, oh, okay. at my parents' house. Um, I'm here. I'm really here for a day. I pack and repack and go again. I don't spend too much time here. Um, but close to here, we've got Lee Valley Whitewater Centre, where the Olympics was held in 2012. Yeah. Um, so that's where I go to work, and that'll be like the perfect place to learn to kite they've got the lake they've got the small white water course they've got the bigger white water course and it's a lot of fun actually it's really good there so for us that we live in kent where would you suggest for us to go for our first taste of kayaking probably that that yeah, place essentially that my i do actually have some very good friends in kent who run kent canoe club and they hang out they have their club nights every whenever okay. but that would just be um on the river i think just hanging out in the Which river would it be then? I'm looking at you because you're from here. You're meant to know the rivers. River. Okay. The Stour? River Stour? I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. I know it's it's not very fast moving. It's pretty much flat. Oh, they're all slow and flat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely would love to go and try that actually because um, I, I want to I try some white water. You're too rapids. tall. We've already said it. You're too tall for this. You can have a super long boat. Um, so you said you... you didn't do it in the sea is that something you're going to try yeah definitely i spend a lot of time with um some boys that love sea kayaking and surf kayaking so every time i see them they're like when are we going to go in the sea so it will happen at some point definitely um there are some very good waves in scotland that we go and surf and i need to go up to the very very north of scotland i heard that's where all the fun's at or cornwall or the north very north or the very south. It's got to be one or two. Yeah. So do, did you just say you surf as well? No, no. As just... uh, uh, They call surf kayaking. Surfing okay. Because yeah. we're going to ask you if you ever, you know, if you've ever done other water sports or... I would love to. I'd love to learn to surf. I think I could be quite good because I'm an ex-swimmer. But I have tendencies to get really, really overexcited when I try new sports and then... Uh, commit 100% to them and I think I don't need any more new things in my life because I've already had I can take over so yeah yeah you can just dabble it's fine I don't really do dabbling that's the issue I would love to (laughs) dabble don't get me wrong (laughs) I just can't 
yeah, yeah you, you would definitely be good because you're good at like good shoulders good paddling you'd definitely be good at but surfing then for sure you would probably probably would take you a while to get the sea because you know what you were saying about understanding the sea like surfing is literally 70 percent knowing what the waves doing what the sea is doing like all of that i think right unless 60%. you go to the wave in bristol yeah well, bit easier yeah very yeah. lovely place do you know about the wave uh i think i've seen some pictures and videos is it the one where they just pump a load of yeah. water and then it creates a yes yeah I've seen it's that like one. a fake wave yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it, and it's a really good wave. It's good well, there's different, I wonder different if it works ones. for kayaking. Maybe I should take my boat down and see what happens. They might let you. I'm not sure, though. You need to ask, I'm not yeah. Sure you could create, like, have an event there. Because I think you can rent it. But um, it's not that, like, how do I say that? Like, it's not that much distance. So I don't know kayaking if you need... To actually have some fun, would you want more distance than what they have? I don't know. Because the surfing, you can go like... doesn't matter. You go in and, and then surf. paddle back out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's just whether um, they'd allow it. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. They'd be like, no, we're surfers here. You know how surfers are. Like, <laughs> no, I've heard the surfing world can be quite clicky. They are. There's a bit of localism and yeah, it's a bit of a different spot for that, I guess. But it sounds like kayaking is very nice nice and good and a good community vibe. It is, yeah. Everyone loves sharing the wave with everyone. Um, apart from in one particular spot where it's kept secret and nobody knows about it, which is very surfer-like. Um, yeah. That is which quite I can't tell you any more about. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us. It's fine. We'll take it out. No, when, when we stop recording, you can just whisper it to us. <laughs> but we don't kayak so it doesn't matter oh we can be really annoying and go there and like kite or surf and then they get really pissed off what in a river well yes <laughs> I'd be no I'd never be allowed back they'd be like we heard you told yeah. them it's all your fault you leaked the secret spot <laughs> okay so have you got any big trips planned for the future yeah, life is uh, going a million miles an hour at the moment. So I go back up to Scotland tomorrow for four or five days. I'm doing like a safety rescue course just to brush up on everything. So I still know everything. And then I come back down and then I fly out to Nepal. Um, and for the first two weeks, we take some clients with us and we show them the rivers out there. So it's, it's a work trip. But then for the second two weeks, um, four of us are staying and we'll do an expedition. So we'll do another big river in Nepal um, and that'll be awesome. And then I get back for maybe two weeks and then I'll go out to Zambia um, for Christmas, New Year's. And that brings me to January. So, yeah. Wow. I wish my diary was like that. Yeah, same. That sounds awesome. Mm, Nepal. And... Hopefully the river's not brown again for you. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. I think, well, we went in March, April last time, and okay. now we're going in November. So, so it if we be get a heat wave in November, bit. that'll it's be... It's going to be cold, yeah. Yeah. But then Zambia will be warm, so you'll be fine. Yeah, But wonderful. then you'll have the crocodiles. I wonder what kind of wildlife you get in Nepal. Hmm. Uh, Big birds of prey. Of... What do we have? Not too much wildlife, actually. Maybe wolves. Like, I don't know. No, wait. That's interesting. I know we're a water sport podcast, but everybody wants to know about wildlife. 
And wow. it's true though, because when we were camping in the middle of nowhere, I'm always scared of like what animals are going to turn up and go in my sleeping <laughs> bag. And actually, in Nepal, there wasn't really much to worry about. So that's kind maybe because nice. it's quite dry and desert. Like, I mean, I've never been, but from what I know, I would say because it's yeah, it's quite. You probably have wolves or goats, and you know, goats just a lot of goats. <laughs> yeah, lots of goats, lots of donkeys. That's true. Yeah. They can be mean, you know. Um, but yeah, you can still research it. I, I reckon there's wolves. Or like, why are the cats, the big cats that are there? Um, like leopards or jaguars? I feel like they'd be there. Well, this is a question okay. for David Sorry. Attenborough. <laughs> so when, when we when get, we him, get on him on the, on the car, podcast one know, day, maybe if he... There we yeah, go. I feel like he's, he's past the age of learning a water sport. But um, yeah, oh, maybe no, next never, season can be... Actually, we're not a water sport podcast. We're a wildlife podcast. And no, never. Just, oh, come on. It's not happening. <laughs> never listen to my ideas. Anyway, sorry, Heidi. We're just. What's the next uh, big competition you have coming up, Heidi? Uh, not for a while, actually. So the season's kind of over. So in February, we'll have our team trials for Team GB for freestyle again. Yeah. Um, and if I make the team, uh, then the World Championships will be in America in October. Um, so not we've got quite a while until competition season starts again. I'll probably fill fill like the middle six months with some other stuff. I'd like to do some more extreme racing. Um, that won't be till like June July time. So at the moment, it's just head down in the gym, pretty much. Nice. So you have to do quite a lot of pre training for these events. Yeah, yeah. If you want to do well, yeah. And you do want to do well. I do quite like trying hard, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm in the gym quite a lot. Um, But, like, I went to Loughborough. I did sports science. So I've been, like, born and raised more of an athlete mentality than most kayakers who are a lot more laid back and horizontal. That's really cool. What does that mean, horizontal? What do you mean Uh, laid back and horizontal? Is that an expression? Yeah, I can imagine, like... Or sleepy. The surfers. A surfer's quite horizontal, very laid back, very yeah. chilled, very, yeah, a bit like that. I guess so, yeah. What? <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Oh, dear. You're hilarious. I just, I've never heard this. I'm obviously laid back, but horizontal, but yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I know what you mean. Um, But it depends on what level, though, because pro surfers are, like, insane. Depends, yeah. Depends yeah, what I think it's do. just the stereotype they get given. Like, if you want to be good at anything in life, you can't just ease your way into it. I'm going to use this all the time. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so with, with the um, whitewater sort of courses and uh, competitions that you want to do, do, do they televise them or do they stream them or anything like that? Yeah, they're usually live streamed if they're at a world or European championship kind of level. Um, okay. They'll be live streamed. Yeah. Love it. Well, def- oh, yeah. I would we'll definitely to want to follow it. you if you do any of those and and any of your other competitions for sure. We'll keep a lookout for those. Mm-hmm. I'd, we'll... ra- I'd rather see your expeditions though. Maybe you can live live stream them with your GoPro. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I plan to make a lot more edits this year and like wrap ups of expeditions and stuff because I think that's what people want to see. It's exciting, isn't it? It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely yeah i really enjoyed watching your videos for that for sure how do you keep your gopro batteries charged on an expedition when you're out there for like 10 days there yeah you keep a battery pack but it's definitely a trade-off because 
battery packs are quite heavy. So yeah. you have to bring like just enough, but not too much. Well, you can get those like fold out solar panels as well. You could take. Yeah, I just I've tried one before. I don't know how much I trust it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I prefer to just carry the extra weight and know it's going to charge my stuff. Also, have you seen there's there's like a charger thing that you can get, which is like a turbine, and you can literally stick it in the river and let the current run through the turbine, and it will charge up stuff from really? there. Really? Yeah, I've seen those. They're pretty cool. That's very cool. That's something to look into. That definitely. that will definitely help you out, and it will definitely yeah. create a lot of electricity from from the river power, especially if yeah. you got some dirty brown Nepalese. Um, it's going water, at a million yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So yeah, I think you can use it as like a wind turbine or in, in the water, water but with, with, with you, it'd be awesome. So oh. I've just changed your changed char- char- your charging game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now you'll have GoPros for days. Okay, I think we've um, run through all of No, there's one more question questions. that I would love to ask you. One more. So you said um, that you wanted to learn, well, that you, you don't really want to learn surfing because otherwise you'll get too heavily into it. But is if if you do have a chance to learn another water sport, is there any other water sport you'd like to try? I think definitely surfing. It just looks awesome, doesn't it? It looks cool and it's fun. Yeah, surfing. I will try surfing. I will just have to find some friends who will tell me to stop because otherwise I'll just keep going. Through. Well, I definitely suggest you go to Bristol. The, go to or the Cornwall. wave pool. Or Cornwall. I don't know. I feel but, like the yeah. only problem with the wave is that it's it's just not real life. Like when yeah, you're in you the sea, you've got to understand feel, yeah. when the waves are coming. And that's like, it took me ages and I still struggle with it because it, especially in the UK, we've got such weird waters. We don't have perfect waves and it's like understanding what's happening and when to go for it, when to, because that's, that's what probably you will find hard because you won't have any probably troubles paddling and popping up and stuff. But yeah, it's like knowing when to do it so that you get the wave. Um, but yeah, one day, one day you'll try. Yeah, when I'm retired and I know how to do sport for fun and not just sport <laughs> for like goals. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but good luck with all of your future trips and competitions. Yeah, excited. I'm to on, see. Yeah, looking forward to seeing all of that. Yeah, and uh, stay safe. Don't get eaten by a goat in Nepal <laughs> or a crocodile <laughs> in Zambia because I feel like there will be crocodiles in Zambia. Yes. And um, yeah, it was lovely getting to chat with you. Yeah, and thanks for yeah. inviting me. That yeah, good. of course. No worries. Cool. Thanks so okay. much for coming on. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Heidi. If you want to see more from her, then please check out the description where you can find links to her social channels. If you like the podcast, then please show some appreciation and leave us a review or you can rate us on Spotify. If you want to check out anything else we get up to at Tide, then please head over to our social channels on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can check out our website, tidewatersports.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you there for the next one. Bye.